I'm going to go to the place that's the best. We're talking about heaven this morning. No, what? We're talking about heaven. Yeah, okay, you've heard of it? All right, cool. So yeah, we're going to kick off our Summer Jam series. Um, and when Ryan told me about this uh, last month, he said it's going to be one hit wonder edition of Summer Jam. So I went and I typed in, when I, I typed in one hit wonders in Spotify, and the first song that came up was Spirit in the Sky. And I said, yes, because I've been wanting to preach on heaven for a while. Um, it, it started earlier this year. My mom called me, and she had all these questions about heaven. And so we started talking about it, and it, it turned into a two-hour conversation. And, and by the end of it, she was so excited. And I was so excited. And something crazy happened. Because we were so focused on and celebrating heaven and what's to come, we were filled. And there was a peace in both of us. And this just overwhelmed me. And what was so crazy is that all the worries and the burdens of that day for the both of us, they paled in comparison. All those burdens of life paled in comparison to what's to come in heaven. And I want to start this morning by talking about a man named Richard Baxter. Uh, Richard Baxter was a pastor in England in the 1600s, and he was a prolific writer. And a lot of people don't know this, but, but, but Richard Baxter also was um, an ailing man. He, he, was, he was sick the majority of his life. Um, he would have these body pains and tumors. He would have chronic nosebleeds and, and, and kidney stones. You get kidney stones almost every month. Could you imagine that? And this is the 1600s, like whether he had cancer or whatever he had, it just wasn't diagnosed. But when Richard Baxter was 35 years old, he was told by doctors that he was going to die. Probably no surprise to him. He's like, yeah, I feel like I'm going to die every day. But um, he was also a very godly man, and he knew the power of God. So he would pray every day for God to take away those pains and those ailments and for healing. And and. I would have to say, I, God definitely healed him, but not in the way he thought, because he continued throughout his life to have that pain. But he also continued on with his life for another 40 years, because he didn't die until he was 76 years old. And through that time, he wrote 140 books. And most of them are still in publication today, almost 400 years later. And the book I want to focus on this morning is the last book he ever wrote. It's called The Saints Everlasting Rest. The Saints Everlasting Rest. Sounds good, right? So saints, saints, that's you guys. Saints are people being sanctified, okay? And the everlasting rest, it's about heaven. And where this book came from was Richard Baxter, when he was 35 years old and told he was going to die, he started, he started something every morning. He called spending 30 minutes in heaven. He would meditate for 30 minutes every morning on heaven. Now, you might, I've, I've heard a lot in my time, and, and so I've heard this, meditation's evil. Well, I'll ask you this. If you believe that, do you worry? Because if you worry, you meditate. And meditation is good. It's just what you think about. I know people are thinking about, you know, Eastern culture and religions where to, to empty your thoughts to get spiritual enlightenment. And yeah, that's what meditating is. But it's to clear your thoughts, the worries of the day, to be filled and meditate on God's truth to get that spiritual enlightenment from the source of God himself. And so this is what Richard Baxter did. And so his book, The Saints Everlasting Rest, is his journals throughout that 40 years on heaven. And he credits the whole book 
and his spending 30 minutes a day in heaven on what Paul wrote in Colossians 3, 1 through 2. It says, since you have been raised to new life with Christ, set your sights on the realities of heaven, where Christ sits in the place of honor at God's right hand. Think about the things of heaven, not the things of this earth. Hmm. All right, got a little thought experiment for you all this morning. We got this rope. Maybe some of you noticed it when you walked in this morning. And I want to use it because I put a little orange tape right here. Can you see that? Barely. It's probably like a dot. Well, let's say this. This is our lives on this earth. Right in here. Like you're born. And there you go. Oh, there are those teenage years. And there you go. And then, until it ends right here. How much time every day do we focus on this? When there's an eternity, an eternity awaiting us. I mean, what would you say if you had to put this in percentage? What percentage of this is your life in light of eternity? I don't know, point zero 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 one percent maybe yet how much do we focus on this a hundred percent of our day 99 percent of our day and what are we looking for during this time relationship identity peace healing everything God gives us and that we have to look forward to for an eternity. So this morning, we're going to go over what heaven looks like because like Richard Baxter and like Paul, as he writes in Colossians 3, I believe as we focus on heaven, we will reflect heaven to this world right now. So you can follow along today using the YouVersion app. You just uh, choose events, select Genesis Church, and uh, the scriptures will be on the screens as well. But let's open up in some prayer this morning. Holy Father, you're so good. Uh, we just thank you for this time, Lord, that we get to gather we get to rejoice and sing and dwell in your word and your presence, Lord. You are here. Open our eyes to that truth this morning, Father. Prepare our hearts, soften them to receive your word this morning. That we can rejoice in what was accomplished on the cross, Father. How much you love us. What has been done for us, Lord. That we be changed by it. Father, we give this time to you. In Jesus' great name, amen. So this series, Summer Jams, um, we, we, we pair it with a psalm, because a psalm comes from a Greek word that means song. And so our, our psalm this morning is Psalm 23, verse 6. It says, surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Look at that. Surely your goodness and unfailing love will pursue me all the days of my life, and I will live in the house of the Lord forever. Forever. Have you guys ever thought about for, forever? Yikes. I don't want to do anything forever, let alone go up and sit on a cloud and play a harp forever. Uh. So let's get the cartoon theology 
on our minds this morning, because that's not what the Bible talks about, what we're going to be doing. And I, I do want to bring in some physics this morning for this. Um, forever is the absence of time. And I hear this a lot, too, when talking about heaven, people saying, oh, that just sounds boring. Well, you, you know what you need to be bored? Time. Time. You're just watching the clock. So get that out of your brain. Eternity is the absence of time. You can't be bored in eternity. And then this, uh, where will we live? In the house of the Lord. What's that? The house of the Lord. Well, it, 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 it's heaven. You, you guys ever, um, you ever see Air Force One and movie with Harrison Ford? He plays the president. It'll always be Indiana Jones to me, but he plays the president in Air Force One. The movie's over, I don't know, it's got to be 20 years old. So, a spoiler alert, I'm going to ruin the end for you. So, you had, your, you had your time to watch it. So, Harrison Ford is, is the president. He's on the, with the president's planes, Air Force One, right? And so, it gets hijacked, and they're trying to get him, and you know, he has that line, get off my plane. And so at the end of the movie, the plane's going down, and they're trying to get Harrison Ford as the president over to another plane, this uh, military plane. It's called Liberty 2-4. And so, you know, they're like, oh, let's do this, uh, you know, static line, and we're going to just, he's going to slide down it onto the other plane and be, be safe and sound. And so at the end of the movie, Liberty 2-4, the military plane is in communications, you know, with this group of high officials in the Pentagon, and and they're trying to get, you know, the president off the plane and, and onto theirs. And so the Pentagon's like, do you have the president? Do you have the president? And there's just silence, right? The tension. It's just quiet. And so there's Harrison Ford and the carabiner breaks. And he's flying behind the military plane, right? And so, again, the, the tension. And they start reeling him in and get him on the plane. And then they get on communications with the Pentagon, and they say, Liberty 2-4, changing its call sign to Air Force One. Because the president makes the plane. The plane doesn't make the president. Well, this is God. Heaven doesn't make God. God makes heaven. And this is important to note. Because wherever God is, that is heaven. So, what will heaven be like? For this, we have to go to Revelation. And I want you to, so the Apostle John writes um, of this, his spirit was taken, he says, to go to see the future, what heaven would be like. So while we go through this, I want you to keep in mind that here, John is like all of us, right? And the scripture says, no eye has seen, no ear has heard. And so he's doing his best to describe the indescribable. So that's why you have a lot of words in Revelation like like. It's like. It's, it's like that. But uh, we're going to start off in Revelation 21 verses 1 through 4. It says, Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was gone. So the old heaven. Let's go back to this. Ah, it's our little thought experiment. So, okay, this is right here. Okay. So, there you go. So the old heaven and old earth, all those worries, all that thing we spent so much time on, let's disappear. All that's left is eternity. Sin has tainted this earth so much that we need a new earth. We have a new heaven. Because we all 
are in it. And it continues and says, And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride, beautifully dressed for her husband. Remember we talk about this? Who's the bride of Christ? The church. It's us. And this is our grand entrance. It's this wedding ceremony. We're walking down the aisle. We don't go up to heaven. Heaven comes down and the new earth, and we dwell together. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them, and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes, and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever, forever. I love thinking about heaven through these verses. I, I read, read that verse last week, and, and I began to tear up because I was like, oh, my God. Like, this is what God has been trying to do since the very beginning, since the fall, to be united with his people. This is the finale of that, the completion of that. God is with his people, and they are with him in full communion, full identity, full rest, full peace, full satisfaction. That is a beautiful sight to dwell in and meditate on. It's what Jesus came to do. Jesus came for the lost and to redeem our loss, our loss of relationship our loss of peace, our loss of rest. These are the things we seek in this world, but the world can never satisfy. These things are only satisfied in Christ. You guys get how it might be something good to meditate on? So what does heaven look like? Revelation 21, verses 11 through 27 say this. This is what John saw. This is what John's trying to describe, the indescribable, but it goes a little something like this. It shone with the glory of God and sparkled like precious stone, like jasper, as clear as crystal. Twelve angels and the names of the twelve tribes of Israel were written on the gates. There were three gates on each side, east, north, south, and west. The wall of the city had 12 foundation stones, and on them were written the names of the 12 apostles of the Lamb. The angel who talked to me held in his hand a gold measuring stick to measure the city, its gates, and its wall. When he measured it, he found it was a square as wide as it is long. In fact, its length and width and height were each 1,400 miles. Then he measured the walls and found them to be 216 feet thick, according to the human standard used by the angel. Now, I'll be honest. Um, when I first read this as a teenager, and I would hear this preached in church, um, I had a study Bible, so I saw the little diagrams. Like, oh, it's square. I'm like, okay, wait, what? The cube? We're going to live in a cube? Wait, what? And I would hear the preacher preach, and he would use that illustration up on the screen and be like, well, that's plenty of room for all of us, and we each could have a room and a little condo in there. And I was like, what? I'm, I'm like, I'm, I'm going to live in a cube forever? And listen, I'm all about the full presence of God, yes. Like this, yes. But I'm just going to put it out there, though, this human thinking of that. 
Let's keep reading. The wall was made of jasper, and the city was pure gold, as clear as glass. The wall of the city was built on foundation stones, inlaid with 12 precious stones. The first was jasper, the second sapphire, the third agate, the fourth emerald, the fifth onyx, the sixth carnelian, the seventh chrysolite, the eighth beryl, the ninth topaz, the tenth chrysoprase, the eleventh jacinth, the twelfth amethyst. Crystals. A lot of crystals. John's describing in heaven. I'm going to throw something else out there. Because later, and we'll get there, John describes Jesus on his throne as crystal. So I know Jesus isn't made of crystals. So there has to be something more to this. And I, and I get it. it you know, the, the, 12, the 12 gemstones, 12 tribes of Israel, like there are 12 gemstones on Aaron's breastplate in Exodus. Like, I get all that. But again, to kind of put my mind in with John, you had to be feeling a lot in this environment. It doesn't mention like diamonds or anything we find, you know, really of great worth now. It's these crystals, these certain gemstones. What's a belief? You guys ever been to Sedona? What's a belief with crystals? What was the belief in that day, in John's day of crystals? Crystals were thought to bring balance, peace, healing. This is what John is feeling from this place that he cannot describe. But it's so beautiful. It's so clear. He's like, it's like these gemstones. Think about that as we go through this. Verse 21, the 12 gates were made of pearls. Each gate, here's the gates again, from a single pearl. This is what it looked like. And the main street was pure gold, as clear as glass. I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. And the city has no need of sun or moon, for the glory of God illuminates the city. And the Lamb, this is Jesus, is its light. The nations will walk in its light, and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. That's interesting. Its gates will never be closed at the end of the day because there is no night. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter nor anyone who practiced shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. The gates will never be closed. I think that's pretty interesting. So what John just saw, what he experienced was what's called the New Jerusalem. This is a city, right? Like coming down as a bride. It, it, it's us, right? And it's a city in the new earth with the new heavens. The gates are open. It says the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. And all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Okay, again, this is, the, this is heaven. This is eternity. Okay, this isn't thousand years. This isn't, you know, tribulation. This isn't, this, this is eternity. It's there. We're all there. People have been judged. All this stuff, it's, it's done. We're in there, right? Well, if you're entering, you're already in there. If you're entering, I think you could say you're 
you're leaving. You're going in and out. This is important to me because this is the thing of how is God created? When you rejoice in heaven, when you trust your heavenly father who gives you good gifts, who knows who pleases you, he, he knows, he created you. He knows how we love to discover, how we, how we love to go out and experience things. New Jerusalem's your home. But there's a new earth for eternity to walk and live and discover. I believe that. But either way, I'm always going to end with this. It's going to be good. Because the one who made us knows what is good. And he knows what pleases us. And I think giving glory to God in the new Jerusalem will greatly please us. So who will be there? says, those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. These are the people, all who have repented and believe in Jesus' finished work on the cross. They are the ones who are covered by Jesus' blood. They are the ones who will inherit the new earth, be in the new Jerusalem. They are the ones who are victorious because they're victorious over death because of the one who defeated death, Jesus. Our victory is in Jesus because of his victory. He defeated death. Remember that, victory. Romans 6.23 says, the wages of sin is death. We all will die and we are all made, everyone, in the image of God. Therefore, we are eternal because we are created by the one who is eternal to be in the likeness of his image. This is the soul, right? We all will have an eternity. But we all face death because this is the wages of sin. But the free gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus our Lord the free gift of the finished work that reunites you in communion with God to receive your inheritance, which is heaven. So what will it be like in heaven? What will we do? Let's continue reading. Revelation 22, verses 1 through 5, it says, Then, then the angel showed me a river with the water of life clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street. On each side of the river grew a tree of life, bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. Some wild stuff. Whether it's a metaphor or not, I mean, this is just so hard to tell in this writing of John. But think about that. What is like one of the greatest things we do in communion? We sit down and we eat together. It's throughout Scripture. The wedding feast, right? To gather together, to eat together. Something special is in that. And when it's special, I know it's from God. It's something just hits the soul. It's deep when we do that. I don't think it's, it's out of bounds to think we'll, we'll eat in heaven. This fresh fruit, it ripens every month. No curse will be upon anything. For the throne of God and of the Lamb, and the Lamb will be there, and his servants will worship him, and they will see his face, and his name will be written on their foreheads. This is us reflecting Jesus to the fullest extent. We are in the full presence of God, reflecting God. And there will be no night, no need for lamps or sun, 
reiterating this, right? For the Lord God will shine on them, and they will reign forever and ever. There'll be no night, right? How beautiful is that? It's because the light of Jesus will shine forever, forever. That's why the gates are never closed. You know, even in peacetime, kingdoms would close their gates at night because there's still threats outside. This is showing no threat, no fear of anything beyond the gates. And they will reign forever and ever. Reign. The kingdom language again. A lot of kingdom language. Or reign. Who reigns? Do servants reign? No, kings and queens reign. I want you to hear this in Revelation chapter 3, verses 20 and 21. This is Jesus talking. It says, look. I stand at the door and knock. If you hear my voice and open the door, I will come in, and we will share a meal together as friends. I really believe this is Jesus talking about this time we have on this earth, that, that, kind of, that down payment of eternity, of the Holy Spirit, the Holy Spirit, to, to assure us of what's to come. I think that is Jesus. He sits down with us, right? We have a meal with him. We have, we have this communion with him. But he continues to say then in verse 21, those who are victorious will sit with me on my throne just as I I was victorious and sat with my father on his throne. So there's some theology that would say, well, but, you know, these are kind of people set apart. These are like special, you know, martyrs or something. They'll sit on the throne. Uh, those who are victorious. Oh, the special ones that are victorious on their own? Nobody's victorious outside the blood of the one who is victorious, who, seat, who is seated on the throne at the right hand of the Father. So what this is saying, you, Christian, you, saint, who are victorious, will sit with Jesus on his throne. Well, that makes a lot of sense because who's the bride of Christ? We are. Who are co-heirs of the throne? We are. This is unfathomable, unbelievable language. Like, we will sit on the throne with Jesus for eternity? What does the throne of Jesus look like? Let's look at Revelation 4, verse 2 through 11. John says, he goes, I saw a throne in heaven and someone sitting on it. The one sitting on the throne was as brilliant as gemstones. Here's the gemstones again, like jasper and carnelian. Jasper is uh, it's actually in its clearest form. It's, it's crystal clear. Okay, so this is like purity, just crystal clear. And carnelian is this, is this like red color, like a ruby red. Okay, so this was like, like the blood, the, you know, what was, what was poured over us. From Jesus. And so, and the glow of an emerald circle, his throne like a rainbow. 24 thrones surrounded him, and 24 elders sat on them. And they were all clothed in white and had gold crowns on their heads. From the throne came flashes of lightning and the rumble of thunder. And in front of the throne were the seven torches with burning flames. This is the sevenfold spirit of God. In front of the throne was a shiny sea of glass, sparkling like crystal. That's pretty crazy. Continue. 
In the center and around the throne were four living beings, each covered with eyes, front and back. The first of these living living beings was like a lion. The second was like an ox. The third had a human face, and the fourth was like an eagle in flight. Each of these living beings had six wings, and their wings were covered all over with eyes, inside and out. Day after day and night after night, they kept on saying, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God, the Almighty. That is Jesus right now on his throne. How many of you pray to that Jesus? You pray kind of thinking, oh, well, Jesus kind of walking this earth. and what? Jesus is on the throne in heaven, and that's what it looks like. We'll talk a little bit about that because it's freaky. Like, it sounds like monsters are surrounding Jesus, right? But again, John is trying to describe the indescribable. He's never seen anything like this. And there's moments in Revelation, John's pretty freaked out, which is totally understandable because it's scary. Even if it's good, I'm like, I've never experienced this before. It's throwing me off a little bit. But he's never really afraid. Like, he's very, like, Oh my gosh, like this is this is unbelievable. So these four what seems like monsters. What is this? Like a lion. Well, what's the lion? A lion's a king of the jungle, right? Second was like an ox. What do you think? What works? What gets the job done? An ox plows the field. An ox is the powerful beast that tends the land. And an eagle, well, what's king of the sky? It's more majestic than an eagle flying in the sky. And a human face, the thing that was created to image God. These are all symbols of power. This is the power that surrounds Jesus on his throne, and that's the Jesus whose name we pray in. That's what I want you to envision, because that's the truth. Jesus is on his throne. And now let that soak in that you too will sit on the throne with Jesus. Does that change your worship? Does that change your life? Like, what? that's what was done on the cross? It wasn't so I could have my, my best life now so I can maybe try to sin less, less, and less and work to appease God. No, what it was finished on the cross. This is what was finished, that when I leave this earth, I have that awaiting me forever and ever and ever, that that's what I God created me for all along, but I lost through just choosing what is on this earth right now over him? Like, let that soak in this morning. That is the heaven that awaits us. So this always comes up. What will we look like in heaven? What's going on? And we talk spirit in the sky, the cartoon. It looks like I basically become an angel. I have these wings. Bodies. Will I have a body in heaven? Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verses 1 through 3, where Paul says, For we know that when this earthly tent, our body, we live in is taken down, that is, when we die, he clarifies, (laughs) nice, when we die and leave this earthly body, we will have a house in heaven, an eternal body made for us by God himself and not by human hands. 
we grow weary in our present bodies, and we long to put on our heavenly bodies like new clothing. For we put on heavenly bodies, for we will put on heavenly bodies. We will not be spirits without bodies. Well, there you go. It says right there. We will not be spirits without bodies. So bodies, well, what would they look like? Well, when you think of a couple things, remember those um, beings, those four beings, right? The ox, the, the eagle, the lion, the human face, right? And it's like the wings and the eyes all over. Holy moly. Again, like symbolism. We could break that down a little bit. If you have eyes all over, what does that symbolize to you? Thing, right? It's like clarity, like seeing like you've never seen before. I see with my whole body. Mm, yeah, I think a perfected body could be something like that. I want you to think of this too. Who created this body? Like, like I'm the specimen. <laughs> Who created your body? God. God created your body. Yeah. Sin has caused it, put it on this timeline. We get older and older, but your body will look like your body. And I'm even going to say this. When Jesus came back after dying, resurrected, and coming back to see his disciples, did they recognize him? They, they sure did. Like Jesus. There's Jesus. Yeah, his resurrected body looked like his body. When Jesus tells the story of the rich man and Lazarus, the rich man recognizes Lazarus, and he remembers his time on earth. He goes, Lazarus, go. He actually asks Abraham, but he goes, tell Lazarus to go and tell my brothers and warn them. Safe to say, we'll remember this time. Even more reason to spend it focused on heaven. Not things that are going to disappear. They have no eternal value. Our new bodies. Imagine all of your senses in the purest form. Eyes that can see things they've never seen before. Smelling like you've never smelled before. Touching like you've never touched before. Hearing like you've never heard before. Singing like you've never seen before. That's your perfected body. And it's needed, just like the new earth and new heaven is needed to contain the full glory of God. Remember when Moses just saw God passing by? His face glowed so much when he came down from Mount Sinai, he had to wear a veil. Because people were like, what the heck? Your bodies will be able to contain all of that. That is what is awaiting you in heaven for eternity. That's how much God makes of you and has made you for. That's how much God loves you. That's how much you are worth to God. Does this make a little bit more sense now, how, how God can send his only son to die for us so that we may live with him forever? That's how important you were. How important is God to you? I think it's worth spending 30 days, or <laughs> 30 minutes a day, in heaven, every day. It'll change you. It'll change you. I can't even tell you the past two weeks, just studying for this, just reading, spending hours a day in heaven and thinking of that. I'm telling you, I have never prayed like I prayed the last two weeks. Oh my gosh. You know, last night, I'm praying. I kid you not. I was, it, it wasn't, the scripture, like, I was just like, holy, holy, Father. Oh, I had no words. I would just praise him. I'm like, Father, how? This is what I'm worth? 
It's unbelievable. And do you know what happens when we focus on that? You know what we reflect to this world? Freedom. Freedom. You know, throughout Scripture, freedom, freedom, freed with freed, with freedom, freedom, freedom. From Genesis to Revelation, it's all this right, like this freedom. What do we need to be freed from? The bondage of sin. What happens when we are freed from that? We have our identity in Christ. We have his place awaiting us. We have our purpose. All of this that I was focused on that was just weighing me down, causing me to just weep and gnash my teeth because I'm just like, oh, it just doesn't satisfy. It's not enough. It doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't work. When I let go of that, I am free. I am free to be loved by God and share that love with others. Oh, now the Great Commission makes a little bit more sense to me. And why even the disciples were called to go out and proclaim Jesus and bring nothing with them. Because you don't need anything else. You just need Jesus, right? And as we focus on this heaven awaiting us, what God has called us to, we will reign with him. We are not just friends of Jesus. We are sons and daughters of the creator himself. And we will reign in heaven on the throne with Jesus forever. Oh yeah, that changes me. And that freedom frees me to sacrifice for another. Because how, let me just give you the example. Two weeks ago, as I weep, you know, scripture, oh, tears of joy. But when hearing about the school shooting in Texas, right, it's like gut-wrenching. I read that. I'm on my phone. I'm just like, oh, gut-wrenching. And just tears of sorrow. But I know how good heaven is. I know how good God is. And he has those children in his hands. You know what I thought? I came to Genesis the next day. I went and got Mark, the director of the teen center. I go, Mark, I want to talk to the teens. They have to know what awaits them. They have to know this truly good news. You know, that gets, that, that gets kind of just white noise after a while, right? The gospel, the good news of Jesus. You know what we talked about today? That's the good news of Jesus. Because that's what's awaiting us. Have that ignite a fire in you every day as you meditate on heaven. Because you know what's going to happen? You'll be meditating on God, and that will permeate you. That will fill you. That will fill your soul. And then you will go out and reflect that. Because guess what? What you meditate on is what you reflect. So to meditate, on heaven, you will share that with everyone who comes near you. And you will be dangerous people against the kingdom of Satan. You'll be dangerous because truth and light will quench darkness. And you'll bring people into that satisfaction of, oh my God, this is relationship with God? Oh my God, people are yearning for it. But here's the thing, we're addicted. We are addicted to this. This earth, this time. We believe the lie that, no, I have to focus on this. If I focus on heaven all day, I'll be of no earthly good. That's a lie. That is a lie. I will tell you it is the complete opposite. As you focus on heaven, you will be the only good you can be in this time on earth. You will be proclaiming the name of Jesus, his truth. You will be sharing with people. You'll be baptizing in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Can you imagine spending an eternity with someone you shared Jesus with? 
You were used by God to bring them into relationship with him. Could you imagine those holy high fives? I think about that all the time. It's why I got into ministry. And we are all called to that ministry. You are all pastors in that way to share that good news, to share that truth, and to share in those holy high fives for eternity. Like, oh my gosh, I can see Richard and Tom and Heather all of you guys in heaven to be like, guys, this is what we were saying hallelujah to every Sunday. This is what we were praising God. This is why we meet Monday nights to pray and experience God in our souls, this deepness. That's how you're changed, by focusing on heaven. Because you reflect that. Let's pray. Holy Father, thank you so much for your truth, for your calling in our life, Lord. Oh, please, Father, soften our hearts. This world just has a hold of us. It's in our ear every second of every day, Father. Give us the strength to turn, to see you, to hear you, to feel you. Lord, and feel your presence in our life, Lord. Give us the strength to pause, to take notice of you right here with us, Father. You aren't bound by space or time, Lord. You walk with every one of us at every moment of every second. We can't wrap our brains around it, Lord, but it is so true. Give us the strength to feel that and be present in your presence. Father, reveal heaven to us, Lord, through your Holy Spirit. Give us eyes to see that. Just that little taste, just that little taste of what is awaiting for us to the fullest forever and ever, Father. Reveal that to us this morning so we could be changed forever. So we can truly be changed lives, changing lives for your kingdom, Father. Ignite that passion in us. Ignite that fire in us, Lord. And we will yearn to share your truth, to sacrifice for another because it's worth it. Because this earthly life has no value to me compared to the eternity eternity awaiting me. Open our eyes to that, Father. We thank you. We pray, praise you, Father. Holy, holy is your name, Lord. It's so true. It's in Jesus' name we pray.